It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Coming to you from the heart of Silicon Valley, this is CUDA Confidential, the official podcast of the San Jose Barracuda, AHL affiliate of the San Jose Sharks. Now, here's your host, Nick Nolenberger. Silver Knights were the best team of the regular season, and they proved it was no fluke here in round number one of this best of three semifinal in the Pacific Division. Just too much in both games, and the Barracuda, their 2021 campaign comes to an end. The Barracuda's 2021 campaign came to an end on Sunday in Las Vegas as they fell to the Silver Knights in a best-of-three series, two games to nothing. The Barracuda needed back-to-back wins in single elimination play to get into the AHL's top four. And they did so by taking down the Tucson Roadrunners by a score of 2-1. to one. California native Jake McGrew got the game winner. Olsen into the corner. Reedy will get in on the forecheck. Soderstrom there as well for the Roadrunners. Here's a chance for McGrew. He scores! Jake McGrew just inside the near post, and the Barracuda take their first lead. Nine minutes and 18 seconds into the third period. The following night, the Barracuda needed to win again, this time going against the Colorado Eagles a team they didn't face a single time during the regular season. Maxime Latunov scored 12 times in the regular season, tying for the team lead in that department along with Joachim Blickfeld. He would get the scoring going in the first period. Nico now at the puck. Skipped a lock for Wanger. Could be an opportunity. Wanger down the wing. He's got Latunov. Backdoor! He scores! Up 1-0, the Barracuda would add on to their lead in the second period as Zach Gallant snapped a 21-game goalless drought with his first of his AHL playoff career. Gallant waits, waits up, he scores! Then Christoph Verbeek in just his second AHL game and first in the playoffs would find the back of the net to give the Barracuda a 3-0 lead. Makes the shot, gets around Vecchioni to the dot, his shot block, key free, firing, they score! Christoph Rabik from the high slot has his first American Hockey League goal, and the Barracuda have a 3 nothing lead here in the second period. Colorado would get one late on the power play in the second period, but the Barracuda would pot two empty netters late to pick up the 5-1 win and punch a ticket into the AHL's Pacific Division semifinal round. After a 4-1 loss to the Silver Knights in game number one on Friday, the Barracuda waited just 40 seconds into Sunday's game to take a 1-0 lead. Russo finished the regular season tied for first among all Barracuda skaters and assists. Here's a chance for McGrew! He scores! 40 seconds into the opening period, Jake McGrew, short side, beats Logan Thompson, and the Barracuda have something they did not have on Friday, and that is a lead. Unfortunately, the Silver Knights would score the next three goals. 
and would eventually win by a score of 4-2. Henderson would light the lamp twice shorthanded, once on the power play and once at full strength to punch a ticket to the AHL's Pacific Division Finals. The 2020-21 season will no doubt go down as one of the most unique in the history of the American Hockey League. The Barracuda began the season in Arizona where they conducted training camp due to COVID-19 protocols conducted by Santa Clara County. In total, the team would play 36 regular season games, finishing with a 500 record good for the fourth spot in the division. 21 different skaters appeared in both a game for the Barracuda and a game with the Sharks. The most since the 1992-93 season, when the Sharks were then affiliated with the IHL's Kansas City Blades. In addition, six different players began the season in the American Hockey League before making their NHL debut with the Sharks. The Barracuda also ushered in a new era as Jacob Megd in his first season in Teal donned the sea as the team's third ever captain. Roy Sommer returned back to the American Hockey League for his record-setting 23rd season, and the Barracuda finished as the AHL's youngest roster, averaging just 22.6 years old, younger than three NCAA Division I teams. After no playoffs were conducted in 2020, the Barracuda punched a postseason ticket for the fifth time over its six-year history. When we come back, the general manager of the San Jose Barracuda will join us. This is Cuda Confidential. You gotta see it to believe it. The future of car buying is here. Hey, it's Shondell Grant of the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Oak Tree Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. And I'm proud to present No Brainer Checkout, the online car buying experience that's, well, a no-brainer. Do everything from start to finish completely online. Get a Kelly Blue Book trade-in value. Get loan pre-approval. Customize lease, finance, and purchase options. Even schedule the pickup or delivery of your brand new Mazda. It's a whole new way to buy a car. It's a whole new way to be happy. Spend less time at the dealership and more time enjoying your brand new Mazda. Shop online, buy online. Don't miss some of the most exciting incentives in our history. Join over 250,000 happy car buyers and experience the future of car buying with our exclusive no-brainer checkout at the Bay Area DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Sharks jerseys and merchandise, hockey gear, and more. SJTeamShop.com has you covered. SJTeamShop.com offers a wide variety of Sharks and Barracuda apparel and merchandise, including the largest selection of Sharks authentic and replica jerseys. Plus, you'll find exclusive designs from the Sharks, SJ Sharky items, game-used items, hockey and figure skating equipment, and tons more. Visit SJTeamShop.com to shop today. This is the General Manager Joe Will Show on the San Jose Barracuda Audio Network. Now, here's your host, Nick Nolenberger. Joe Will, General Manager of the San Jose Barracuda. Joe, thank you so much for the time. We appreciate it. It's been fun all season long catching up. 
on a monthly basis. The Barracuda just wrapped up their 2021 campaign, falling in a best of three series to the Henderson Silver Knights. Joe, there was a lot of value to be had with the playoffs. The team wins both single elimination play-in games. They get into the top four in the HL's Pacific Division. Unfortunately, they fall in a best of three series to the Silver Knights. But in your opinion, how valuable was it for these young guys to get playoff experience at the AHL level? It was huge. You know, we had four games where our guys were, they had their backs against a the wall. They really had to, you know, come out and, and just, uh, you know, show us what they would do in high pressure situations. Those single play in games were, you know, you had to win them or you'd go home. And I, I'm really proud of the group because they won a couple of them. They, they showed well, um, you know, showed what they do under pressure and then went into the other series. We were just, uh, you know, seemed to be just a little bit outmatched in those, but we hung in both those games. And, uh, you know, I thought it was a really good experience and, and gave us more information as a management staff. To my count, there were 21 different players who played for both the Barracuda and for the Sharks in 2021, the most since the 1992-93 season. The first thing that comes to mind for me is opportunity, an unprecedented opportunity for some of these young players to get a chance to play in the National Hockey League. When you hear that, what do you think of? Yeah, opportunity is is probably right up there. And the other thing, and you, you hear me say quite often, uh, you know, kind of a cliche, but mileage on the odometer, you know, these guys are just getting the experience. Sometimes it's not very memorable. You know, they just come up and the games are just kind of, well, you know, what did he really do here? Well, he, you know, learned an awful lot about uh, uh, the national hockey league, the opponents that they're playing against, what the, you know, work on, maybe it was a little fast. Maybe it was, uh, you know, maybe they need to work on their strength and things like that. So it's, it's not necessarily a short report card on what they actually did there, but it's building the mileage on the odometer and, and, and that's that's really showing over time. It doesn't mean that all of them are going to be up there, but it does it does give us a little bit more of an indicator, and it also gives the players an indicator. And and I think on, on a lot of these guys, it really it's a wake up call. They'll say, you know, I, I thought it was really great in the American League, and and I'm I'm a top guy here and all that. And they come up and they get a little bit humbled, and they go back. And some of the guys dig deep down and have a great summer and uh, and come back and really battle in the fall. Between starting the year in Arizona for training camp having a canceled final preseason game, having the first regular season game canceled, dealing with the weather in Texas. You can go on and go on for what occurred during this past season, but what are you going to take away the most from this past year? There's a lot of adversity, but the way that everybody dealt with it was pretty impressive in my book. But what are you going to take away from this unique 2021 season? Well, I think the trainers were really our all-stars of the year. Our staff were the all-stars of the year from uh, everybody that, how much they had to improvise. You know, you go to Will Leonard and Gianluca Scatuzzi, our medical team and, and Marcello Martinelli, how they had to, uh, you know, improvise with dealing with all the COVID protocols, uh, you know, from having the test every day, having to separate people, you know, having just to, just to care for people. And, uh, uh, they had to improvise in the way that they did things. I think it was a valuable experience for them, you know, in their, in their careers, but it was, it was an awful lot of work. They, they did a, they did an awesome job. And then going to our, uh, you know, equipment team of uh, Mike Murphy and Will Shukite, uh, just, uh, you know, some of the things they did, like when they, uh, down in uh, Chandler, Arizona, they basically built the locker room and tents outside. And it was, it was outstanding. The, the stalls that they put together, you know, ended up uh, going on to ESPN, uh, and, you know, written about uh, on their website and everything else and, and going to the coaches, how they had to change the practices, uh, uh, you know, with uh, 
basically having to split groups from time to time and, and, and with you, with your broadcasting and, and, and how you had to do that differently in each city. It, it's, it's pretty amazing. So that to, to me, the staff were really all-stars this year and, and the players, you know, the sacrifices they make. And, 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 you know, I say that knowing that, that pretty much everybody in society did this year, but uh, you know, here's, here's a bunch of young men who come in, they're kind of used to being able to go out, go to restaurants, do things like that. But they're also used to having their, their parents come and visit and, and, and maybe uh, not even if it's in San Jose, see them occasionally on the road. And this year, uh, especially, uh, you know, for a lot of our Canadian and European uh, players, you know, they just couldn't see their family for, for five, six months. And so, you know, I think it was uh, just the, uh, the character that we saw in a lot of people. I think uh, so many people just grew as individuals this year. Going into these exit interviews, at the end of the year, you speak individually with every single player and you kind of set the tone for, for next year as well and going into the offseason. Without giving us too much detail, without going into the, the individual conversations, give us a kind of a, a broad stroke on, on what the message is to a lot of these young guys going into a, a pivotal offseason and, and what you hope they can accomplish so when they do come into training camp in the fall, they're ready to roll. You know, a lot of times they just tell them it's not really what you say, it's what you do. Um, you know, guys come in and, and they'll say, I'm so hungry, I want it so bad. Well, I, I have news for you. It, it, everybody really does. And, uh, you know, it's what you do in the summer, what you, uh, you you have to work hard harder than the guy sitting next to you. You, uh, you have to go to the gym. You have to uh, you know, maybe make some time and go out, work on your skills, whatever it is. Uh, you know, the coaches do a great job at putting a, a package together and saying, you know what, if you work on this, this, and this, you should get here. And, um, <clears throat> and so they'll put that together for the guys and we'll tell them the fall, you know, right away uh, when we do testing, how much work they put in and everything else. So it's never really about what they say. It's, it's about what they do. And uh, so every year uh, we usually have a few that'll surprise us with, wow, they really overachieved in the summer. You know, the message got through and there's other guys that, that the message probably didn't get through right because they, they probably, you know, thought that they were at a great spot at the end of the year. They, they let their foot off the gas a little bit. So, so it's, it's, it's uh, I get surprised every fall as to what happens. You now somebody steps up, grabs the opportunity and a couple other guys will, will uh, you know, fall a little bit short. You look at Nikolai Nishoff this year, like that was a big surprise. Could anybody here have predicted that? I don't think so. Especially they could have maybe predicted he would have played a few games or this or that, but to come in and make an impact and play all the games that he did, you know, this year and the minutes and things like that, that's, that's a real surprise. And that's somebody who, he never even really said that much. You know, he didn't, he didn't go in and boast about things in the meeting. He just listened to everything that was said and worked on it and exceeded it. He, I, I do know he trained extremely hard all summer and, uh, uh, and it came back and, and paid dividends for him. I think that is a great point. I always like going into training camp and you hear the buzz around certain players and how they look from a physical standpoint. You mentioned it. They'll, they'll do, you know, testing from a physio side and they'll understand whether guys went hard in the offseason or, or did not maybe as much as they should have. So it's always fun going into a, a training camp and seeing who, who really put in a, a strong offseason. Reflecting on this year for your own personal experience, we all learned a lot this year. Um, but for the players dealing with the adversity, dealing with the season as a whole, but playing the season, getting through the season. We ended up playing 40 games. That was the plan to play 40. We didn't play 40 in the regular season. We played 40 in total when you add on the playoff games as well. But what do you think the players will take away from this unique season? I think they'll, they'll take away that, you know what, uh, uh, 
never underestimate anything and, and just be prepared. If that's you know, take advantage of what you're given, because, you know, we, we did intend on playing a few more games uh, uh, total and, uh, and that's what they got for the year. So like, if you think you're going to have more time to show it, I mean, guys, their, their contracts are only so long in length and within there, there's only so many games. So you just have to be in this business. Uh, Mike Ricci says it all the time. You know what? Uh, the, the, the calendar's short, the timetable's short. You better be ready and take advantage of every opportunity that you're given. And I think they, they kind of learned that that was a, a dose of reality there. And, uh, and, and, the pathway was so different this year for everybody. Uh, you know, we, we thought it, it, you know, it was a potential disaster with, uh, with some of the junior players with, uh, you know, Weissblatt and Robbins, you know, we're going, Oh man, we didn't even get to meet them at the draft. Then we didn't get to have a development camp with them. Then we didn't get a training camp. And then all of a sudden their junior league's not going. And so we get into December and we're going, this is, this is harsh right now. These are, these are 18 year old players. Um, you know, that we're going, what's going to happen with them. So, you know, we ended up bringing out, um, uh, Weissblatt, Robbins and, and co, you know, three, three junior players, uh, to, uh, uh, to training camp. And, you know, we got a lot of time with them there. So it just kind of made up for the development camp and everything else. Then, then, you know, look what happened. They got in some games. So, you know, they weren't able to go back to junior, but they got in some American league games, super valuable. And then their junior seasons went for Robbins and Weissblatt. They never went for Cole, but Cole was able to stay here all year. And then at the end, it kind of came down. Then they got some crunch games at the end, including Cole getting some playoff games. The other two guys were hurt a little bit, but you know, it's, you never know the path, but uh, you, you need to be ready to take it advantage of the opportunities when you get them. Speaking of Weisblatt became the youngest player to appear in a game for the Barracuda. And it was because of a COVID situation. He was just 18 years old when he made his AHL debut. Speaking of those three players, I know both Weisblatt and Tristan were dealing with some injuries, as you alluded to, to finish up the regular season. But just how valuable to think it will, it will be for these young guys down the line to have experienced this, whether they go back to junior next year or not, You've got to imagine they're going to go back as pretty confident players, knowing that they can play at the next level. Absolutely. And that's what a lot of people say. I mean, it's uh, 18 and 19 year old players are very rare in the American League. It does happen more often with European or, or, or American players uh, just uh, because of the, the way the rules are. Uh, most of the Canadian players who are junior eligible have to go back there and and there's a reason it's, it's extremely hard league. It's a little actually more chaotic than the, than the national league is for young guys to play in, you know, things are kind of tied up. It's, it's, it's strong, fast, everything else. And a lot of times 18 and 19 year old players don't have a lot of uh, success in the American league. Well, these guys did. And, and they came in and it, it's super valuable because they know they can do it. They got a taste of, uh, you know, it's it's always humbling. They got a taste on what they need to work on, and and we'll see what happens with all three of them. I mean, Ozzy, Ozzy's situation as a 2002 born. The rules say that uh, you know he would he would have to go back to uh, um, major junior in in lieu of the the Barracuda, and with Robbins and and Co, uh, they could go either way, and we've seen it. We've seen it both ways. We've seen some players stay and we've seen players like Noah Greger and Yoko Blickfeld. It, it uh, you know, it was better for them to actually go back. So it's really kind of up to what they show us at camp, uh, other players we have and everything else. But uh, uh, this, this, you know, experience is so valuable. 
For sure. It was unique. There's no doubt about it, but what an opportunity for some of these young players. Looking ahead quickly to next year, we've got an offseason. It'll be a shortened offseason, but we do have a little bit of an offseason. And then we've got new blood coming to the division next year. Abbotsford will join the Pacific Division, affiliated with the Vancouver Canucks. Canucks moving their affiliation from Utica, New York, out west. So another team into the division. How excited are you for next year as we get back to quote-unquote a normal season, back to 68 games, a full schedule, some normalcy with the travel. Are you fired up to get back to what we were used to, you know, before COVID hit? Yeah, I really am. I, I think, you know, time will tell where it's at because Canada is still struggling to uh, catch up in in uh, you know vaccinations and, and other measures there too, getting fans in the stands and things like that. And, and you know, both the NHL and the AHL are, are international leagues. We have uh, franchises in both cities. So what that means when we start off, are we going to, are we going to be back, uh, you know, totally normal or are we still going to be kind of on the way to there? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking we're still going to be on the way to there, but time, time will tell uh, with there, but extremely, um, you know, happy for uh, things to be going in the right direction right now. And, and, and the other thing too is, is still to this day, so, so grateful for this uh, Pacific division uh, to come out here, the vision of, of the general managers and, and the, uh, and the support from Hustle Plotner to, uh, you know, to bring the Barracuda out to San Jose and, and, uh, and get this division going out here was, uh, you know, was such a, such a great uh, decision and it's, and it's paid dividends. And, and you can see all, all the teams now, uh, everybody kind of want to emulate, they, they want to emulate this. You see, uh, Abbotsford now they moved from Utica, New York. That's Vancouver uh, Canucks affiliate, and they moved to Abbotsford, which uh, is is a town just miles away from Vancouver. And uh, you see, you know, Colorado, Tucson, Henderson joining the original five California teams. It's uh, it's our division is is nine teams, and it's soon to be ten when uh, Palm Springs comes in. And uh, it's been a great success story. It's incredible to think too. Every day you go to the practice rink and you see the brand new building a little bit closer to being completed and we're only one season now away now with the 2021 season in our rearview mirror we're one year away from having the barracuda in their own facility i know henderson will be getting their own building palm springs will hopefully have their brand new building so in a couple of years it'll be some really nice facilities in the pacific division we saw scott Housen during the playoff games he was in las vegas now you touched on a little bit but the ahl seems like it's in as good of a spot as it's ever been it really is and uh you know, it's it's truly now a national league. It used to be kind of a regional league based out of New England and kind of went into the Midwest a little bit and such. And, and uh, you know, over the years, it's uh, – but, you know, when teams – aren't close to home, you know, they, they often change affiliates. And so you see, you know, teams moving around all the time. And now what you're seeing is just a lot more stability because teams have a holistic approach to it. And they're saying, you know what, this is for being close to home to be able to, to watch practices and watch games, to be able to manage your, your salary cap a little bit better. And so you see it almost as, is like the national league and, uh, um, you know, and, and, and more spread out. And I think it's, it's brought a lot more stability to the league. It's, it's brought a lot more exposure to the league and uh, uh, we're just really, really happy for that. And, and uh, you know, it's uh, players, players see how, uh, 
you know, how difficult of a league it is to play into, and it does get them ready for the National League. Every year there's new players on the roster. This year there was a couple new additions on the staff as well, with Danny Saverin coming in, working with the goalies, John McCarthy, moving from an assistant coach to a development coach. Are you looking forward to getting to the point when the two staffs, the Barracuda and the Sharks, are able to come together a little bit more in person this year, it was all done via Zoom. The two groups were, were separated somewhat. How, how much value can be gained once you get to the point where everybody can come together? Nabby can come over across the room and, and chat with Sabs or, or vice versa. How important is that once we can get to that point again? Oh, it's huge. I mean, we, we did a lot by Zoom this year, uh, but just that, that hands-on approach, just getting down on the ice. You know, we, uh, we, we kind of, the staffs are a little bit separate due to cross-contamination and things like that uh, uh, with the, with the pandemic. Uh, but, you know, and, and I will say that uh, uh, there were quite a few games when Bob Bugner and Rocky Thompson, John Madden, uh, Reach, Nabby, those guys were all over uh, at, at Sharks Ice watching, uh, you know, watching the Barracuda play. So, so there were, you know, they, they were on top of following the team and, and, and watching it and, uh, um, and then even communication, the coaches would talk to each other by phone and that but that that hands-on you know that's we're looking forward to that uh, coming back a little bit more yeah you almost had to take a step back a little bit like it was when the team was out in Worcester that communication pipeline but there's something to be said when guys are able to get in front of each other and talk in person give us an idea of your timeline for this offseason it's a different looking offseason with the HL season going longer with the NHL season going longer but we do have July 1st will be uh, I guess would be a normal year it'd be the first day of the next season give us a timeline though leading into the NHL draft free agency and everything that's on your plate coming up this offseason yeah, we've uh, we've kind of turned the page on on last season. We're still doing some, you know, uh, uh, player progress reports and things like that. And we use that to kind of set up what we're going to do in the future, uh, you know, for for both teams. And uh, so we're we're going through a little bit of analysis of of the past year, trying to kind of finish that off. But a lot of it is planning right now. Um, it, it's been moved back because of of the way the NHL and the HL seasons went later this year. And, and normally the kind of change over to a, a new league year is July 1st. It's now going to be July 28th. Um, and, and so everything's been pushed off, you know, three and a half weeks. It's, uh, you know, we're preparing for the expansion draft uh, to not only look at our own club, but more importantly, to look at other clubs and see the expansion draft can be opportunities to, uh, you know, to talk to teams that have trouble protecting, uh, you know, forwards or D or goaltenders and, and say, you know, can we, uh, can we take somebody off your hands? Can we, can we make a deal that's advantageous to both of us? Uh, you know, things like that uh, to go to, uh, uh, to the NHL draft and, and uh, where we have a, a whole bunch of picks, including the seventh, uh, you know, spot going into the lottery, which could be, could be the first overall pick, the uh, second overall pick seven, eight or nine. And there's odds on all of them, depending on what happens uh, within the lottery. But in any of those spots, we feel that we'd, we'd have a, you know, difference making type uh, player, the opportunity to get a difference making type player. So that's something else. And then uh, free agency, of course, is in uh, um, uh, on July 28th and, and where we can uh, go and, and, you know, see who's on the market and things like that. And the, the, uh, the biggest unknown is really what we can do with player development. Right now, we're just waiting to see uh, just because of, of COVID protocols and things like that, what's, what's going to be happening? Will we be able to have development camps? How can guys train over the summer? Uh, you know, we'll have to find adaptive ways to do things, but uh, you know, it, as it stands right now, it's not our normal summer where usually around July 4th, we would have a, uh, 
you know, uh, development camp and have a prospects game and things like that within there. Uh, that right now, that's not on the calendar. But uh, so we'll have to, you know, adapt to seeing what we do with players in that way. Going into an expansion draft, as you alluded to, being that everybody in the NHL dealt with it four years ago with the Vegas Gold Knights, do you think people are a little bit more up to speed on just the process? And do you think the approach is maybe different for other clubs? The Sharks, of course, um, David Schlemko was taken in, in the expansion draft. Vegas eventually flipped him uh, in a trade. But do you think teams take a different approach? Uh, and do you feel like from your guys' standpoint, you feel just a, a different kind of confidence because you've been through it as recently as you have? Yeah, I think everything's ex- experiential. I mean, you go back to the Sharks were the 22nd team in the league back when we came in in, in 91. And, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're uh, 21 before uh, Sharks became 22 and then added uh, 10 more teams. This will be the 10th team added uh, uh, since then. So there's been numerous expansion drafts but nothing like what we saw before in the Vegas draft. It was a little more liberal rules uh, on there. And, uh, you know, Vegas did a great job with it. And I think, I think teams uh, learned from that. They went through it. Some teams say it worked out well for us. Other teams say, you know what, in hindsight, we, we might've played that a little bit different. So uh, I, I expect, you know, teams to be just a, a little bit different in what they do because they've had that experiential learning of, of going through it one other time. I think the, the rules are, you know, it, it's much different than when we came back, when we came in back in 1991, I mean, uh, teams can only, you know, protect seven, three and one or, or, or eight and one, however you look at it, that would be Ford's D and goalie or, or skaters and goalie. Um, you know, that's a lot different than uh than when we were there so there even just by by the way those rules are there's going to be some really good players out there yeah it's going to be fascinating it's always fun these expansion drafts are so unique and maybe the the last one we see for a really long time with the, the league getting up to 32 teams the nfl has 32 teams as well that's kind of the cap i think that's where they look at uh at a good number joe we can't thank you enough have a wonderful off season i know we'll be in touch um this has been fun all season long getting getting little updates as we we trickle along but uh thank you for the insight thank you for the time enjoy the off season and uh looking forward to next year likewise thanks nick have a great summer 